you know, I, I could be home you know, eating chicken. You are home. This is your home. Your hmm. very skinny room where you talking to a microphone. That's yep. your real home. When I'm here, I'm family. Yeah. I should, I should warn you that I'm wearing suspenders. Hmm. Why are you wearing suspenders? Ah, you fell into my trap. I am doing house things. I'm doing a lot of things with my house right now. And when, when you walk into a room with a lot of junk, you like to put your, hook your thumbs underneath your suspenders and go, well, 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 as you rock on your heels and talk to the items that are in that room. I say, boy, boy howdy, and slop the chickens. Uh... Uh, I, I am doing things with the house and, and as you know, I have a problem with my rise. I have a problem with the world's idea of what a rise is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ableism about my rise mm-hmm. and also, you know, belts, belts don't always do what I would prefer. I have a kind of, uh, of adventure belt that's a little bit, got a little bit of slack to it, but it's, I have trouble keeping it exactly where I'd like it to be. Now, when I'm doing things with my house, you know what I'm using a lot is my pockets, Right? Oh, it's pulling your pulling your pants down. It pulls my pants down, and that exacerbates my rise. I mean, I'm only really comfortable lately talking about it, but um, yeah. And so, and so, I put on the suspenders, and that keeps them at a certain level. I can put a tape measure in there. I can put uh, a tactical knife in there, a bunch of pens, all the things that I need. Hmm. When I'm doing things around the house, pockets become important. And the belt doesn't do it for you in that situation, huh? It's this brand of belt that I like, but because, you know, there's the tyranny of the belt <clears throat> with uh, holes or what you call notches, mm-hmm. where there's not really any like usual like half sizes. This is one of those adventure belts where you string it, put it through, and then you, you whip it around yeah. and pull it. And it's got a little bit of slack, but I think I'm just shaped, maybe like you, I'm shaped very oddly. And with suspenders, I know I don't have to worry. And if somebody comes to the house, I can always put on a shirt over it so they don't see that I'm wearing suspenders. Are the suspenders rainbow striped? No, I had the, you know, I had those, right? You need to get those, the Robin Williams. Oh, oh, I, I, if you want to save it for the show, I have so many anecdotes uh, about my rainbow suspenders. Um, I thought they were cool. Um, (laughs) Is this before Mark and Mindy or after? Here, I'm taking a photo for you. Okay. Ooh, with, with these suspenders, you are rapidly hurtling towards decrepit old manism. Like, so? You know, soon, very soon, you'll have both the belt and the suspenders, you realize. Do you not see the benefits in becoming a decrepit old man? You, like Dan Benjamin, mm. your dear friend, you, you are so hostile toward getting older. And I think you don't understand the kind of stuff that you can read things off a sign and go, huh for example, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, but there's so much stuff you get away with when you no longer have any influence or, or sexual attraction. It's really oh. it's really a buoyant feeling. When you, have, when you have no hips and no butt and your pants just slide off your body and you need to have two devices to try to keep them up. Well, my knee brace is helping. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sending you this photo. Here's me and my suspenders. These are Carhartt brand suspenders. I did have my favorite outfit, my my, my official, you know, you get, your, you get your back to school clothes, but then you've got your, like we used to say about the system. What are you laughing at? The white balance on this thing makes you look beet red. I have a very orange in here. It's yeah, my it's, office. It's a whoa, narrow office. Those, those suspenders look like you are in a, a five-point racing harness in a car. Those are no joke suspenders. I'm picturing suspenders like the little, you know, skinny Robin Williams things. You know, sure, I, I know what you're thinking of. Yes, you're thinking of Robin Williams. You know what you're thinking of? You're thinking of uh, Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Pula. there you go. That's right. Are these, uh, I don't think you could fit a thumb under these. I think you'd put a thumb under one side and it wouldn't pop out the other. These are like three and a half inches wide. They have a John Syracuse style problem where you could see the adjustment strappy thing, the little mm-hmm. metal thing. When you're mm-hmm. when I'm seated and they're at the full like pull these all the way up position, that means that that metal part rests on on my collarbones and it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. No, I see that. Those those the metal buckles look like what are they? What are these for? Do they think you have lead pants? The Carhartt makes work clothes. No, and, I know. And I I know I buy them. I wear their caps. I've had a bunch of their like logging pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you for know? all the logging you do. Yeah. As, as I said to the guy at REI in 1999, these are web page making shoes. Mm-hmm. And I guess it says it says Carhartt on the, is that what it says backwards there in the, on the yes. metal? Mm-hmm. I can get a tighter shot if you want. But these are, these are great. I can walk around. I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing a really deep dive, John. I'm really trying to get past 
the surface level tidying and organizational crap. And I'm, I'm really tearing some stuff out by the roots. I'm getting rid of the things that, you know, you procrastinate about the stuff that you kind of don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm finally going to get rid of a rusty can of WD-40. When we moved wow. into this house, it was like a toxic waste site. It still mostly is. So many old oils and paints, a literal five-gallon bucket of motor oil. <laughs> like we've been dealing with that for, you for years. You're running to transmute into gold or like? Where am I going to put it? Yeah. You know? You got to deal with that. And like, there's a special area at the dump where you can take gross stuff, but, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm an action guy right now. Can you, can you bike, can you bike that oil over? You could put that oil on your bike and you could bike that oil over to the dump, right? You know, I could, I could, it's further away than I would prefer. And also my bike is already so heavy and mm. my bike is already so top heavy that 50 pounds, I'm guessing. What would you say a five-gallon bucket of oil weighs? This is your Google. Five gallons? Where did you get five gallons no, of oil? No, you know, like a bucket, like a bucket from uh, from like Home Depot. Yeah, but why do you have five gallons of oil in your office? Because my landlord is mental. And there's just all kind. Of, you don't want to get me started on how many nails there are in the wall. I'm going to photograph so, all the nails is sometimes. It, is this cooking, cooking oil? No, it's somebody, like, like I used to do. You change your oil, you put it in a bucket. <laughs> And it just sat there. I, so I, you, you, know, you changed the oil in the car that you can't drive. Uh, however many years ago, you did this yourself. You collected the oil in a bucket. You sealed that bucket. And you brought it to your office. Uh, no, no. This is when I had a VW and it was almost entirely user serviceable. I took pride in changing my own oil and I wouldn't over torque the, the, the bolt putting it back sure. in like those okay. monsters over, you know, the monsters where you go in there's a little pit you get down there and they, mm-hmm. oh, you really need new windshield wipers and you should really get this oil extender. Have you thought about it? Synthetic oil? Yeah. Uh, last time uh, my wife went there, they didn't put the oil filter, they didn't screw the oil filter back in the right way and it, it was leaking oil all over the place. Pros from Dover. That's what they call them in MASH. So how um, many years ago, how many years has this bucket been in your office? No, no. Let's start over. At our house, our house was built in 1928 mm-hmm. and my family has owned our house since I think at least the 70s. And there's been various tenants and family members who stayed there. And now we've been there for coming up on 23 years. You said your family has owned this house. You mean a family has owned this no, house? No, I'm sorry. I'm very hoarse. I'm a little pony. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a family has owned that house. And let's not get into it. But th- they do a lot of weird stuff. And, you know, one time they stole my ladder and I didn't make a big deal about it. Sometimes they use our laundry as a rag. I, You know, the kind of stuff I'm not going to get into. We've had a hole in our master bedroom ceiling for eight years, you know? So anyway, they do what they do. Uh, I talked about this, referred to them recently on the Slack, you know, they're, they're real colorful. Oh, and, and when they come fix something, what I've come to call a punitive repair, mm-hmm. the exercise, what I've also come to call old world Irish craftsmanship. And that, for example, is when there's a moldy hole in your wall and you just put tile over it and grout. Mm-hmm. That's what you call old world Irish craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And they don't, there's never a day where they go, oh, ta 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 ta, I should really take the oil down to the oil place and oh, dispose of it in an environmental way with or without you. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> if all you two songs were sung with an Irish accent? <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to cover their entire catalog. Out of control. Out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whatnot. Uh, and so there's that kind of thing I got to deal with, but I'm trying to go real deep and the, you know, the procrastination, I, I told our friend Marco this, the hardest part about doing the full on Peter, why are you laughing at me? That wasn't a laugh. That was my house settling. Oh, <laughs> tell it. I said, hi. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's, it, you procrastinate partly because like stuff in your life has started to feel like a fixture and you just keep re experiencing the feeling of, ugh. I don't want to deal with the oil bucket. <laughs> so getting back to my original question, yes. how many years Suspenders? has that oil bucket been in your office? It's not in my office, John. It's in the garage. All right. Okay. Or how many years has it been in the, in the garage? Then? Well, we did finally get rid of that particular one. I don't remember how, but there's still a lot of very archaic, dangerous stuff from other eras down there. That's not primarily why I'm wearing suspenders. I'm mainly wearing suspenders because I did stuff like I finally measured. I realized we're not fully utilizing our closet space. And so I measured all the shelves, the width, the depth, the height, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm discovering like how we could reorganize, but reorganize really? No, 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 no. The biggest thing is you, you go in and you get stuff like, you know, uh, you look at the expiration date on things and you go, Ooh, I don't need to have that anymore. Like, you know, whatever it is. Or my, my wife who like acquires Swiffers the way that I get like smart home devices. We have so many Swiffers and things to Swiffer with which to Swiff. And I'm trying to figure out like what of this needs to stay. And this is the thing, John, this is not a self-help program. This is your show. This is your show for your emotions. And what I'm here to say is you've got to really say, if I didn't open this cabinet in the side hatch, for that's like our little area where you go out the back door, we call it the side hatch from Tenacious Deep. And you say, okay, all this stuff in the side hatch, all this like weird, (laughs) I mean, do you have floor oils or floor, we have floor cleaners, Mm -hmm. we have floor swiffers, we have, if I put all, it would be like the time my wife was, when my kid was like five, was like, oh, we didn't get the kid a bunny for how, for Easter. And then I took a photo of the like 11 bunnies we'd given over the years. I said, I think the kid's fine. In this instance, if you put all do you get this? Do you have areas that are mostly things you don't use for things like floors? Because we sure do. I mean, we have things for floors, but they do get used. Uh, not very do you, frequently. Do you ever, give her, give her th- you know, um, thin the herd? Yeah, well, so thinning the herd is difficult around here because there's always somebody uh, one side or the other who needs to uh, supervise the thinning. Don't don't nope. do that on your own. I need to be here for that. Uh, hint, you don't... hint, my family's out of town right now. Mm, there you go. So then you can just disappear things in the oh, 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 I am without Ruth right now. You would not believe the kind of stuff that's happened. The stuff that's being disappeared. The board games nobody's touched in years. Mm-hmm. The like the puzzles nobody ever liked. Yeah, gonna get a uh, good square footage in the closet by removing those. You would not, John. I discovered that a banker's box will fit into the cabinet of our side hatch, which is really good to know. So if you got stuff you do need, I mean stuff like you know how I am. This is this is my version of organized. This is Merlin circa let's say uh, 2018. Is aha! I've discovered all of these things. These are all garage remotes that don't work or probably don't work. I'll put them in a Ziploc bag. Here's a one-time contact sensor thing I bought from Amazon that didn't really work. It buzzes when the door opens, that kind of stuff. I'll put all that in this bag, and all that just sits there next to the floor wax, just just eating my life. You don't have that, though. You don't have that, or you've got, you, got, you get a fight on your hands if I mean, you want to yeah, thin, no, thin the wax. Stuff, there's a lot of stuff I would like to disappear, but I've been stuff forbidden Stuff needs to leave from. your house, John. Yeah, forbidden from touching a lot of it. A lot of things have left. I mean, not a lot, but like some things have left over the course of this summer. There's been a lot of like many months of uh, things slowly moving into boxes that are going to be donated. And some of them actually did get donated. So they did leave our house. But boy, the the sort of it's like a wagon train to the west, right? Of like Uh items making their way up the stairs, through the house, through the various rooms, to the garage, into the donation box, right? It's literal, literal wagon. Oh, sort of like the way that stuff goes from the front stoop to the steps, to a higher step, that kind of thing. Yeah, like oh, I don't, I don't uh, tolerate things being. I know on you steps. don't like step use. Yeah. I don't tolerate anything to be on the steps. But yeah, like if something something's going to make its way to there, it may find a temporary home for a few weeks on some some waypoint. Like they have to stop or they have to caulk the wagon to get across the river or whatever. Caulk right? the wagon. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that item will be there for a while, but eventually it goes into donation box. And over this many month process, donation box did actually leave our house with some people who came and took them. So that's some decent square footage, right? That's yeah. leaving the yeah, house. Yeah. Like I. I look at them when they're all set up on the driveway, you know, all stacked on top of each other with a little sign that says whatever charity it's for. We call that garbage island. Yeah. And the people come and they take when you, them. When you, make a, nice. when you make a bespoke area, sometimes I'll even put duct tape around it and I'll say, hello, guys from the overpriced 1-800-GOT-JUNK uh, company. This area and everything inside of this duct tape is garbage island. Take it away. What is that garbage? Like we give to like, you know, whatever, big brothers, big sisters and donating uh, veteran, your floor associations. Wax? Yeah, well, like it depends on what we're getting rid of. Uh, like, a lot of the stuff we're getting rid of is like, uh, I don't even think of how much. Read it's a like, book, John. That's this, such a, that's such a burden for people. Oh, they want it. They want this stuff. It's they like. They want uh, your wax? No, it's not floor wax. It's like really expensive. But you keep all your old clothing. furniture that you got from your grandparents. What are you, I'm so confused. I'm talking about the square footage it's leaving. It's things that are wandering up into boxes that are being carefully organized. And it's probably like a ridiculously large monet- original monetary value of toddler clothes that are being carefully organized mm-hmm. and folded and put into sets and put into boxes and going to whatever charity wants them. That's 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 good. That's a, I approve of that. That's a good donation. The side hatch is a great example, though, because I have that area has evolved 
or cause to be evolved over time. And I've really tried to clean it up. And because it's our secondary means of egress, you know, I'm afraid of dying. picture of the side hatch. I don't know what you're Oh, sure. I can send you. Well, I'm not sure how much I want to talk. Yes, I can send it to you. I took a photo to send to my wife because I decided that was going to be, I'm sorry, I'm I'm really burning minutes here. That was the pilot project for Merlin Summer Cleanout 2022 was that there was a shelf that had a bunch of like old nasty liquor bottles on it. But I had, for example, there's this brand of carts and shelves that I like. I don't know if it's the name, but it's called Origami. And they're these fold-up ones that if they're not in use, they can fold up and like fit into a smaller area. But Mm -hmm. what's great about the shelves is they're not very deep. And I mean, so depending on what you need to put there, you could fit it into a pretty, I gotta find this photo for you. You could fit it into a pretty narrow area and and not die on a fire. Um, But it was, it's just, it was was so great to get rid of all the, all the old liquor bottles to get rid of like, because, you know, again, this is all part of that whole, whatever we ended up calling it, the five-part model for parts of your house that we never finished. But, like, storage and deep storage are a thing. Like, if you're storing, for example, I have occasion to use white vinegar for things. It's great for lots of things. And so there's usually a gallon of white vinegar open in the kitchen or in the side hatch. But when I buy them, I buy two, three, four of them. Now, I do that for lots of things. I do that for all-purpose cleaner. I use that for, do that for de-ruster. And so I got all these, like, gallon-sized things that are all taking up space. Those need to go into a deeper storage. And then we got to keep that area alive. And, uh, and, and that's what I did. And I've received plaudits for it, you know. So that's good. But there's going to be— you're, you're adoring public? Yeah. I mean, sure. And my, uh, my, my, my you know, I think my wife appreciates that I am— very deliberately uh, sucking up when I do this kind of thing. Hmm. It's kind of like why I'm trying to deal with my sleep is because I don't want to keep her up all night with snor- snoring. And hopefully, you know, as much of a, as a, a beta cuck as I am, I, I hope that that, you know, gets across. I'll send you these photos. Here's the side hatch. Um, oh, God. So it's not done. There's, there's a tool. There's also my, my toolboxes and stuff like that. But you can Side see it's a pretty hatch. So this is like the, the, so, the doorway that we're looking through is the doorway into like your main living area or kitchen. Yeah. So you, that's the back that, that what you see back there where you can see the Pacific Ocean through the window. That's our back door. And so mm-hmm. that's just this little narrow area. Now, what you can't see in this is if you go up to where that window is and turn 90 degrees to your right, there's a, there's a set of like built in old Irish craftsmanship uh, shelves behind a door. Outside? No, 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 oh, right. no, this is all inside. It's all inside. Oh, no. So you go into the skinny room and you turn right and that's where the shelf. Yes, exactly. Okay. When you go past the shelvy shelf. Yeah. Is that your microwave in there? Is that your. No, you see our water heater, uh, solar lights. Oh, oh maybe, um, maybe milk carton. The big black thing on the shelf. Yeah, that's a milk carton with stuff in it. Milk carton. Hmm. Milk carton. Yep. Yep. Um, so anyway, that's why I'm wearing suspenders, and I got a lot done. Uh, I watched some uh, murder TV and worked on all of that, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I got some new models I'm working on too. You know, the make a hole strategy. I know that from uh, myth, but you don't get that reference. Well, first make a hole. Make it, a hole. Okay, is that is that Master Chef? That is a dwarf from oh. myth saying make a hole before, How he, we throws, say that before he throws a grenade and the grenade is he makes oh. an explosion and makes a hole in the ground. Okay. Um well, I thought we I thought you were my buddy on this one. First make a hole. Like Yeah, you, no, I know what you mean. Tile puzzle, I get it. Tile puzzle, but like I, I there's a couple couple or three parts to this process I'm working on that I'm trying to operationalize. And to me, it always starts with first make a hole. Like if something's not, if something hasn't left your house, you got to ask yourself, why hasn't this left my house? And if you're honest, if you're me, you go, because I don't want to take a white five-gallon bucket full of 70s motor oil somewhere. It's real pain. I don't want to deal with it. And of course, I know someone's going to yell at me or give me a lecture for oil that's not my fault title. But like first make a hole means, in my case, very first thing, you've got to make room for stuff that needs to leave, which is usually trash. Now- you need an affordance for trash in that area. So important. It's so important to have a large affordance for trash. So I bring up the big Husky can and I put a 55-gallon liner in it. And now I got an easy way to throw things away, right? So you're making a hole to then make more room for other holes. 
Like you've got to get stuff out of the active area. Have you, have you ever decluttered a, uh, uh, I mean, just, just, just say yes. Have you ever decluttered a hoarder? I haven't. Not really. It's really difficult because the first problem with a hoarder is that there's no holes. That's why they have put like a big tarp on the lawn is like step one of those processes and they just bring things outside. Right. And then, then they, then they, then they shame, they shame you about it and which doesn't help. But, um, boy, that show is really, really badly done. Um, but, but, um, there's no room in the hoarder houses I've been in. You don't want a place to put your keys, man. You don't want to put anything down. Just this room. So this is the, this is the after shot that I'm seeing in this room, right? Say, yeah. It doesn't look too crowded at all. The, no, I would, no, no, no. I mean, it is kind of weird that your water heater is has stuff on top of it, but. Yeah, well, you know, there's only so much space. I know, but like, don't put, doesn't your water heater get hot? I guess so. It's got some yeah, foam. Don't put, don't put things on top of your okay. water heater. Okay, I'll, I'll fix it when I get home. But what's, so, what is, what's on there? Is those what? two black, what They're, are those things? Uh, solar lights that don't work. Yeah, no, don't put those on top of it. Okay. What is the, what is the big uh, red stripey thing? Let's see. Um, it's got red. a bunch of swirly patterns. It's 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 like like just in front of your uh, pipe coming out of the water heater. Oh, oh, that's a that's a cup from the Marvel movie uh, Thor: God of Thunder. Yeah, it's no, using put, hot water to clean a shelf. Don't don't put that. On, don't put anything on top of your water heater. That should be a no okay. go zone. All right, I'm going to operationalize that tonight. I'll make a hole. Uh, boy, that's a good movie. And, and but so you make a hole, but then it's all really all about making holes. Because stuff needs to go somewhere else. And it's mm-hmm. a brutally honest confrontation of why you didn't make holes before that lets you begin a process of actually cleaning out an area. And that's why I get so frustrated when people futz around and just move things to different boxes. And it's like, well, first you got to make a hole to, to like have an operational area to do anything. And yes, it's okay to have things like boxes, although they shouldn't probably just live in boxes forever. But uh, yeah, so so my 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 current trifecta in this new process is make a hole, build infrastructure, and then introduce quality. So you make a hole to get the stuff out, and then you need infrastructure. Infrastructure is stuff, and I'll send you another another photo if you want some photos. So this is from this afternoon, and this is a table in the lounge where I have you can see a garbage can, and you'll see some boxes where I'm doing stuff. That's infrastructure. You make a hole. You build infrastructure and then you introduce quality. And then, so like, you know, that's the thing is I, I used to leave off the introduce quality part because I would think, oh, this is close enough. Everything's in boxes, but you aren't done yet. You still have to like make it look good and you still have to like finish all the parts that aren't finished. Otherwise you end up with four boxes called, eh, I don't know. Introduce quality. That's, that's step three. You like these uh, gray metal shelves is the same as the one you've got in the side hatch, right? Oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, the char- a little, that's, little bit no, 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 no. It's the same, same, same company. Yeah. That's, that's the charging area and the HP printer and my food saver and the PlayStation and the switch and where, where I put my keys. Top shelf, John. Mm. That's where I put my keys. There's a, there's a top shelf. Wow. It's tough for you to reach them up there. You gotta like, can't even see your keys. People gotta... know, people know not to touch it. Yeah. Don't touch daddy's keys. This episode of Reconcilable Differences brought to you in part by Sourcegraph. You can learn more about Sourcegraph right now by visiting about.sourcegraph.com. So you've hired a brilliant developer. Well, that's great. But now you have to get them onboarded. And if your company is growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project that their new team is working on. And that can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. Well, thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it is findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, well, how do you make knowledge accessible to those that need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and for everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know, it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier. And today they work with leading companies across every industry, including 
three out of the five of the top tech companies. Plus, they work with places like PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. So right now, please go and visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. Once again, that's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for your company. Or, of course, you can just click on the link in our show notes, and that'll let them know that you heard about them from us. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I see something in the notes uh, for, for the minis that says half empty nest syndrome. Is that what you're talking about here? Do you have half empty nest syndrome? Is that what you're doing? No. Hello. Welcome to Reconcilable Differences. No, I was, um, I don't know if that's too personal, but uh, this is again, now we're following on here from, we don't have any follow-up, do we? No. Okay. Um, a couple episodes ago, as we record this, and boy, we're really into silly time now because of the various things uh, we're recording an episode that'll come out later than it's recorded later than usual. But, but we accidentally came up with a bunch of good mini topics. We did a little bit of that last week. We're doing more of that this week. Also, John, before we jump in, I'll be happy to answer your question. Could you please let people know, uh, why this week is different from other weeks? Sure. This is one of those weeks where we have special extra content, uh, after the end of the episode. And the only way you get to hear it is if you are a Relay.fm member, you can go to Relay.fm slash RD. That's the letter R and then the letter D that stands for Reconcile the Differences. So Relay.fm slash RD slash join, and you can become a member. Uh, and what you'll get for that is you'll get to hear the extra content that we put at the end of one episode per month. And you also get the whole, uh, podcast without any ads in it, which is nice. Yep, you get all the member episodes uh, with, with uh, members-only episodes by us and all the other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, you can listen to people play D&D and stuff. Like, there's a, there's a whole bunch of good stuff. And you uh, you give us money, which helps a lot. Yep, and you can hear our episodes. We have special – usually have episodes once per year. We have a special guest. Uh, we have a back catalog of about seven of those. So you can hear lots of uh, interesting, fun, special guests. So check that out. Yeah, and so this week for our after show, we're probably going to talk about vacation stuff because I am – soon to be going on various vacations and Merlin has some vacation updates of his own. I may. Yeah. But let's jump into the, uh, the minis and we'll cut this if we need to. My question was this, one of my, uh, mini topics, when I say half empty nest syndrome, uh, I'm projecting a lot here, but you know, your, your son is going off to college pretty oh, soon. Let's see. I see when I was reading, when you were telling us, I thought you might have to do this because your family minus you, uh, are out, you know, on a vacation, but you're at home and you're doing all this stuff in the house. So like your nest is half empty and now you're, while the, while the cats are away, the mice will play. Is that the expression? Mice are playing. I, I watched the entire season two of Game of Thrones on Saturday and nobody you know, said anything. I, I saw that. I saw that was going on. So that's, that's, a good that's, that's what I thought half empty nests, but now I understand what you're saying, right? Yeah. So yeah, I have, I have just the two kids and one of them is off to college in the fall. Mm. I was just curious. There's a couple, I mean, I'm, I'm always, I mean, like I, 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 I I always have these weird questions. I think that sometimes people like when I, when I kept, you know, peppering my wife with questions about how it felt to be going back to the office a couple days a week. I mean, she was pretty incurious about the whole process. I'm like, Oh, it's work or whatever. But I'm like, Oh, but like, what do you notice that's different? And like, you know, stuff like having to do dry cleaning and pay for parking and like, but also just in the office, like, what's it like? Does it, how back to life does it feel? And I'm like that with you. I'm very interested honestly, as your pal, in how your life is changing in your new independent work lifestyle. You see another question down here about how every time I mention to you something to you about a podcast, you always say, oh, I'm way behind. I wonder how that's changed your podcast listening habits. I, I just, I'm just curious, like you're going through, you've been going through a lot of changes, right? I mean, you've been, there's a lot of stuff that's changed for you or stuff you've dealt with in the last year. And I guess it's a, just an omnibus question about how changes are feeling, but in particular, like how, I don't know, is is it weird to have a kid going off to college? Like, go anywhere I mean, you want. It hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it's going to be weird, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's not, so, you know, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, my son is going to a nearby college. He only applied to nearby colleges, and that's mostly because he wanted to be nearby, wasn't interested in going across the country or anything like that, but... 
also it's what I prefer because you know I like to be within easy driving distance. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. take much to actually quote unquote get away from your parents. Not that he needs to really get away from us, but you'll be independent as long as you're not living at home, right? You, you he could be ten minutes away, and if he's, as long as he's not living at home, it's still basically independent. Like we'd be over there all the time, right? But yeah, he'll be you know, you know, half an hour, forty five minutes away. That's plenty distant to to. Uh, you're not going to pop in and do a bed check or something. No, but we can come in for a weekend visits if we wanted. But honestly, I'm not sure that's how that's going to go. Like. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, he's not the most independent kid. Uh, my daughter is more independent. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he also is not someone who uh, needs us to constantly be, uh, you know, checking in on him either. So he's independent and he doesn't need us to motivate him and make sure he does stuff. It but, wasn't that long ago that you were worried how the children would feed themselves. <laughs> yeah, he's not particularly independent in terms of, you know, taking care of himself and, and like, making his own meals. and <laughs> Getting a like haircut. That. Yeah, or, or, yeah, buying things from stores with money or knowing how money works or talking to other people or other things like that. It's, it's a strengths and weaknesses there, so we'll see how it's going to go. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel like this... There's still kind of like this flurry of activity involving getting off to college that we are, his parents are both participating in, which is like, you know, what do we have to do? Like, what what do you do as an incoming freshman? Well, you got to pick your major and you got to pick what courses you're going to take and you got to navigate the... the oh, so con- you're, you're fretting about the actual stuff in school. I would imagine you'd be fretting more about the like, you know, are, am I done setting up your laptop? I, I imagine all the mopping up and loose ends... Of like, <clears throat> I mean, not to mix metaphors, but like cutting the strings. But you're you're thinking more about like his actual experience in, in well, school. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is the last hurrah of his parents doing everything for him, right? Because uh, you know, in, in general, when he was in high school, he did all the high school stuff. We didn't, we weren't, we weren't on his back about you know what courses you're taking, what homework you're doing. He was that was all him, right? Didn't have to nag him about that. We weren't really involved. But for college, there's just so much stuff in terms of like navigating the bureaucracy. And unlike high school, yeah. they expect college students to be able to do that. And he doesn't have any experience navigating bureaucracy. On, to- on top of it, it, it never goes unsaid. And I will just beat this to death that it is truly strange how little this country over the past 60 years in particular has really examined like how much college represents, even as it, you know, means less and less really. I mean, honestly, like college today is not the same thing that it was in the 70s, both in terms of like what you get, what you need, what it costs, all of those things. But setting that aside, the 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 like the fact that you are really in ways you're unprepared for dropped into the deep end. Even the most prepared kid it might be homesickness, but it's also just that you have to balance so many things on your own for the first time. Just going off and getting an apartment would be a lot, right? Going to another town and getting a an apartment would be a big deal, but you're doing that. Plus you got to do school. It's a lot to keep track of. Did your financial aid check go through? Are you about to run out of food points? Like there's just, you know, and like you say, then there's the bigger stuff. Like, like I blew a lot of stuff, not realizing a major I didn't know I wanted at the time required, I guess they call them like distribution requirements. You know what I mean? Like, oh, geez, I guess I forgot to take a language or something. That's a lot to keep in mind while you're trying to find quarters for laundry. Yeah. The, it makes me, I wish I remembered more about what it was like when I went off to college. Maybe my parents also handled some of this, but same deal, you know. So I get a cop accepted to the college that I was going to go to. How did I end up in the dorm that I ended up in? Did they just pick one for me and assign it to me? How did I end up with the roommate I got? I'm pretty sure there was like not any student involvement in that like I, I picked the school i wanted to go to you know i filled out the application i remember doing that lots of paperwork writing on pieces of paper and then that gets sent in the new envelope comes and then if you know you accept that and you write in the little thing yes i'm going there and then if anything happened between then and my parents driving me up and dropping me off like they must have sent a, a piece of paper in the mail that said here you go your dorm is x y and z go to this building go to this floor and then mm-hmm. I go to that building, go to that floor, haul up my big cart full hmm. of stuff, right? And there's well, another person in the room. you try to recreate it, you're like, well, how did that happen? Yeah, and there's another person in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Now, contra- now, so think about this. I mean, obviously, you know, sound like old men or whatever, but um, that was my experience going to college. There was no, like, website to go to. There was no, I mean, the internet existed, and the web kind of almost sort of existed, but there was no sort of, like, I'm going to go onto the computer and do a bunch of stuff having to do with my my uh becoming being an incoming freshman at the school it was all just through the mail like i sent my application by mail i sent my acceptance in the mail 
And then presumably they sent something in the mail and said, here's where you're going to live, just so you know. Like, I mm-hmm. must have put, checked the box says, are you going to live on campus or off? And I said, I'm going to live on campus. Check. And then another thing comes in the mail later. It says, here you go. Here's your address. Compare this to now, which is like, my son had to pick all, pick all his courses and register for them. I guess maybe some, I had to do something related to that. But hmm. he, this is all online. He's got to find a roommate or just go into the, the roommate lottery by himself. Then he's got to, you know, form a group. And then the leader of the group is going to pick the dorm. This is all happening on their 17 different websites, right? So all through the course of the summer, there's these deadlines. Make sure you've done this by this time. Make sure you've done this by this time. You know, it's all happening over email. And you have to log into 17 different websites. They have, you, know, you don't know what this is, but people listening do. They use Workday, the same application I use to track my like vacation time and do performance reviews at, at my last job. <laughs> I know you love those. <laughs> yeah, that that is the software Workday, Workday software. That is the software they use as part of their thing. They have like they have seven different software packages, none of which know about the the other ones existing. But one of the things they use is Workday, and Workday has your academics in it and it has your major. There's a whole separate portal for your housing. Oh, it's sort of like the way we've got like those janky like power school and all those kinds of things where you log in to see grades or, you know. Yeah. Right. There's like seven of those at the school. There's an, it is not a unified system. And I recognize but I mean, they seem day. about as sophisticated as a 2004 install of like Plone. You know, it's just, and they don't talk, you're right, they don't talk to, it's the, it's amazing how few of those things talk to each other. But as compared to, I send you a piece of paper that says, yes, I'm going there, and then you send me a piece of paper that says, here's where you're going to live. There's so much interaction, so many touch points mm-hmm. with this school that he has yet to attend, right? He did actually go there and visit in the day and meet with his academic advisor and talk about the courses and everything. That's cool. But then, like, then you have to come back and, like, there are just so many web forms you have to go through, so many things you have to click on with so many different deadlines to get it to the point where you can show up on the first day of class and say, I'm currently registered for class. I have a place to live. I, you know, I, I, you know, I've selected the dining plan, like all that stuff has to get done. And so I feel like this is the last, the last, you know, big, ba- and plus we had our own batch of stuff. Like, you know, you're going to need to have a bank account and mm-hmm. a debit card and a credit card. And, you know, like all, all these things that he basically he had before, but wasn't that it weren't relevant to his life because his parents paid for everything. It's like, well, we're not going to pay for things when you're there. We're not giving you our credit card. You're going to use all your money with <laughs> your payment things. And right. this is how a bank works. And you didn't know this, but you had this account since you were a baby. That's you. See, <laughs> right? this is your this is your money. See this card here? Let me show you how this works. Right. It has, you know, has that just getting all that set up to sort of be like. And here you go with the big shove, like pushing the the boat out to sea. But just to get to that point, just to get to the point where all that stuff is done. I mean, some of it was like pulling teeth. It was like, you got you got to decide what you're going to do with the roommate. Because if you don't get into a roommate group, you're going to pick last. And that means you'll get the worst storm. So you should form a group with somebody. And if you don't know, you know, so I don't know any kids at the school. Well, they have a way, of course, online for you to meet kids at the school and send messages to each other and filter based on whether they get up early or get up late or like quiet studying or play music like they have again one of the seventeen websites lets you search through people like that. We we just the the RAs the RAs did that when I was in college. We we would just, all the RAs would get in a room and we did screw with people a little bit. We did sometimes make some odd. That, sound, that sounds like a terrible system allowing college it's students. It's a really to do that. bad. It's a really bad system. <laughs> well, we tried because we'd all been through it. My roommate was a sixteen year old kid from New Jersey who was a was his whole he was from this huge family of overachievers but i was a little old and he was very young i was 19 he was 16 because that's just how the lottery turned out yeah and so you know getting through he really didn't want to do that part of the process he really didn't want to pick his courses but it's like what it needs to be done you right. know, and, you know. well, well if i can ask i mean he's it's none of my business but is he looking forward to this is he excited about the general project i'm sure he's nervous about it because you know like i said he's used to just you know coming home and have his parents deal with everything but it seems like he'd be excited about picking courses is it is it the the tech part of it the 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 pain in the butt part of it because like i was always excited to like do the i don't know do the weird trig of figuring out scheduling stuff and what's available and i always thought that was exciting i mean i was excited about the courses that he had to pick from i mean he was the only course i've heard him express excitement about is they do have uh, a course on anime it's just not offered this term but he's going to take it when they do Hmm. and he was trying to figure out like what should i take for my like because he doesn't want to take like humanities courses basically he wants he wants to take (sighs) tech courses right damn it um so i said well you know i i made some suggestions to him i'm like look if you're going to take a humanities course uh, you know, he's not an engineering major, he's computer science, right? Uh, if you're going to take a uh, humanities course, they're probably going to feel like relaxing breaks from the hell that is your courses that are filled with math. At least that's the way it felt to me. 
Um, now, engineering is worse than computer science in terms of like forcing you to take a bunch of these sort of, you know, sciencey courses and mathy courses and everything. Sure. Uh, but I said, pick something. If you know, if you want it to be a break, if you want it to be like, finally, I get to relax a bit, pick something that's probably going to be easy and that will also interest you. So I really encouraged him, you know, suggestions of things he could take. I said, art history. I know that sounds dumb, but mm. you will have fun. Best, best in that class course. I had in all of college was 20th century yeah. painting. Yeah, you'll have fun. You'll, you're going to look at art. You're going to talk about art. They're not going to ask you to do any math. You go to college to learn to think differently. I mean, at least in liberal arts, I know we're we're not we're not as cool as the people with the computers, but liberal arts is about learning how to learn and with the ears that you have to hear. I don't mean to be lecturing your son at a distance, but like the, there's exposing yourself to stuff that's not the thing you think you want can end up being the greatest thing. I was told by I have physics for poets was the you know the informal name. It was technically called something modern physics. And we read, you know, Einstein and Dancing Wooly Masters and like all these, you know, physics for poets. And it was that teacher for whom English was a second language, my second year of college, the first person in college who said to me, I really think you should go visit with the writing tutor. I think you should learn to write better. And I was shocked. I mean, I was me. Like, I was the features editor in high school, like in my, of the school paper. Like I was, I got into college because of my writing. Long story short, I ended up taking this uh, seven week formal writing tutorial with the writing. Uh, she, unfortunately, she was not technically like a professor, but the writing teacher basically. And she kicked my ass and got me to, I haven't, I didn't lose all my ticks, but I lost a lot of them. What I'm trying to say is like, if I thought, the, the future as a writer that I wanted to have would be served by the writing I was doing in 1987. It really took talking to somebody else to find out that was wrong. It's not bad. You're not a bad writer, but you're not a good writer. And you have bad habits that get in the way of the good writing part. And like, I just give that as an example, alongside stuff like 20th century painting. I don't know how you schedule serendipity, hmm. But it is one of the myriad actually good things about college is I feel like is the exposure to stuff that's new to you, but also the re-exposure to stuff you think you don't like when it's recontextualized in a way that makes more sense. I didn't think I was interested in looking at paintings and it ended up, I was extremely interested. And that's what my girlfriend and I went to New York uh, over Christmas that, that next year because I needed to see the Demoiselles of Avignon in person. I needed to see, you know, Starry Night. Like, I I needed those experiences. And I don't know. It was, I kind of accidentally fell into that class, and I'm so glad. Gender roles. The class on gender roles that I took my second year was huge for me. I mean, I got my ass kicked left, right, and sideways by all these much more intelligent people in the class because I was so stuck in a really terribly dumb like 1960s binary idea about gender. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I'm just busting a gut here, but I hope he gets the opportunity to do good work in the field he thinks he's interested in, but I really hope he gets exposure to the stuff he doesn't know he's interested in yet. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's a common parent experience is looking at the course catalog for their kid's school and being like, wow, look at all these great courses. I would love to take these. This sounds interesting. It's like that's you get a kid to a theme park. You're like, I can't wait to go on the roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, because they I mean, like in high school, like you kind of know what you're going to take and there's nothing really interesting, but there's like, are you, you know, super into like, you know, Japanese cinema of the late 20th century? It's the whole course on that. That's just what the course is about. Like you can take just that course. Right. And every single one of those is all, I'm sorry to beat this to death, but like America does not know how to write. They don't know how to write succinctly. They don't know how to write clearly. They don't know how to write unambiguously. As a country, we've completely dropped that bit. And like anything you can do to become a better writer, all of those classes are going to make you write more. They will probably help you to write better. And I will die on this hill. Learning to write better will not make you a better thinker, but it's difficult to become a better thinker until you're also a better writer. And you need to think about what it is you're really trying to say. You interrogate yourself about these things. It doesn't matter if it's anime, Japanese stuff, or something else Japanese. Like, whatever it is, like, you're going to have to write stuff in a field that feels so foreign to you, and it's going to force you out of, a phrase I don't love, force you out of your comfort zone. And I think it can't help but improve you as a person, unless you just give up and leave. But, God, anything that gets you to write more is so good. 
Yeah, I kind of wish there was a course, like we've talked about this on past shows, of just like how to write good emails. Like that's the whole course. You know, the context of the writing that you're doing we this course is about, about email. That. Remember yeah. I asked you a million years ago, what should they be teaching kids in school about, you know, security and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff instead of the the mostly non – I mean, really, and a topic that's been on, on our list forever, talking about like credit cards and banks and the theater of security, which is in many ways worse than bad security, is like security theater – but I, I agree with you, or even just like how to be more, how to be a more effective communicator, which sounds like a motivational speech thing, but like learning how to really like, like you've taught me, you've been so instrumental in helping me be less dumb in ways I hope you appreciate. And I know you sharpen me like a knife and it drives me crazy sometimes, but I do think more today about what I'm really trying to accomplish than I used to. And it takes people like John Syracuse or or the writing tutor, Jan Wheeler, never forget her. Like, I'll be indebted to her forever. The people who saw that I was worth the effort to tolerate long enough that they become less, that I become less terrible at something. But I I don't know, man. That that feels like table stakes is like, you know, any, like, you know, you get something like, you think about, think about a course, like you ever hear, you've heard the phrase remedial reading? The Brown Reading Group, yeah. In the Brown Reading Group, discover your desks. Um, the remedial reading in particular is something where you have been adjudged by your instructors to not be where you need to be with your reading skills. And so you you do remedial reading. And right there on the tin, what it's saying is your reading is not up to snuff and you need something outside of this curriculum to specifically help you become a better reader. Now, it's interesting to me that, so you've heard that phrase, though, remedial reading. Mm -hmm. How often have you heard remedial math or remedial writing or remedial social studies? It's almost always reading. And maybe that's because where the pain is, that's where the pain is. But I feel like, I feel like teaching you, it's assumed, I think it is assumed or it was assumed when I went into college that you had the skills you need to succeed here. We just assume you're a black box. You figured this out. You'll be able to balance your workload, understand that some weeks you're going to unintentionally have two times more work than in another week. You're going to be expected to manage all of that. But the, the and I'm, I'm sorry, now I'm officially beating it to death, but the writing thing gets such short shrift and it's going to tear you apart through college if you don't, I don't know how they don't just like make people learn how to write is what I'm saying. They usually make everyone take like some kind of, you know, freshman writing composition 101 thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not sure they're getting the uh, personal attention of Jen Wheeler in that class. She was great. Wheeler? Is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Nice. She's the first person that puts drunken white in my hands. And I know that's considered, you know, mm-hmm. some people don't. Well, so it's, better, it's better than nothing. It's a lot better than nothing. Avoid unnecessary words. Like, get the tattoo, guys. You know, I'm, I'm just it, saying there's so many o- things. O- omit needless words. Isn't That's that it. Is? Well, I'll get it right. You're close. Close. <laughs> the graduation so thing. So close. Yeah. We, we <laughs> that start... should be our next shirt. So close. <laughs> we had a, uh, what do you call it? Um, Strunk and white. I got, I got that thrown at me in high school, actually. Well, that's when most people first encountered it. But like, there's, I feel like there's this almost like an iron troika of like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying Strunk and White has to be your Bible, but Picasso learned to draw before he learned how to paint. You know, Roger Bannister learned how to walk before he learned how to run a four-minute mile. And like, you know, it, it, you, it, I, it's, it's, it's funny to me that like, okay, talented people are mainly the ones that bag on Strunk and White. I mean, no offense particularly intended, but everybody has this like, Psh, that's old thinking and meh, meh, meh. And like, I understand, like, I'm being a little bit of a fuddy-duddy. That's one leg of the stool. I mean, for my own personal reasons, I would say On Writing by Stephen King is a very special book. Um, But, oh, my God, what was the one? There was one book that was basically about concise writing. Uh, I'll find the name of it. And the guy's guy's thesis, the way he just starts out is, like, you hand me your 10-page paper, and I'll, I'll make it five pages. I'll take that five-page paper and make it two pages. And the hardest part is we will get from that two page to that one page. There'll be so much more impact to that one page than was in the previous 10 pages. And that's what I'm going to do in this book is we're, we're going to walk through concision in writing, les mots juste, as they say in France, like pick the word that's the right word. 
And I know you and I go back and forth, oh, unique and literally and all those kinds of things. But like, God damn it, guys, learn the rule before you break it. It's going to serve you so well in life. A well-written email to your kid's teacher is a short, concise, unambiguous email with a very clear request in it. It's going to get you so far in life. Whereas the kind of happy babble that most people, the, you know, vomit out is, it's bad, John. Yeah. My son is uh, picking his courses based on how little writing they make him do. So I feel like he's not hearing your words. Also, he doesn't listen to this podcast, but I will be sure to convey your thing. If you can remember the title of that uh, concise reading book, you should put that. Yeah, I'm really embarrassed that I can't find it. I know the guy's name. I'll find it. Do you want to, do you want to tell me about something you like? No. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash RD. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash RD. This summer, as you dive into all those fun home improvement projects that you've been thinking about, well, don't forget that really important one. If you want to transform the look and feel of your home, you should consider getting new couches or seating from Burrow. Burrow is a new kind of furniture company that makes everything with comfort and style in mind. From their modular sofas and sectionals that make moving and assembly painless to their clever wall shelves that make mounting a breeze. Burrow is designed to make life easier. And Burrow is proud to use premium durable materials uh, so you can enjoy stain and scratch resistant fabric and solid hardwood frames. Burrow knows people care about the materials in their homes and how important it is to make sure that those materials stand up to everyday life. So if you've bought furniture from one of the big companies before, you might know a lot of the process is outsourced. But Burrow designs everything in-house, which means the entire team is in tune with what people like you actually need. And on top of it all, you don't have to pay for shipping. Every order, no matter how small or large, is delivered directly to your door for free. You can do the math on that. It uh, can save you well over $100 when it comes to a large item like a couch. If you have any questions, their world-class service and support team are there to help with any queries you have, from choosing a color to expanding your couch down the road. Burrow wants you to love the sofa you're on as much as you love listening to John Syracuse. So show them that you're listening to Reconcilable Differences by shopping at burrow.com slash rd. That's going to get you $75 off your first order. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash rd for $75 off. Burrow.com slash RD. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Yeah, um, Jan Wheeler, man. And also the fact that she wasn't a professor. It bummed me out because, I mean, I think one way to look at that, unfortunately, is and she was in this tiny little office over in the, you know, the, the crappy West Campus and this old office building and she was basically in a glorified broom closet but she made me read those books she made me write about those books and then she was kind enough to say well hey look you're taking this class where you read absalom absalom like if you for your next like two page five page exercise you can write something about a book you're reading now so i wasn't even allowed to cop out and go "Ooh, that's that's not in my wheelhouse i don't have time i'm busy i'm at a liberal arts school and like the the kind of the kind ass kicking I got from her instrumental. I'll find the name of the book. Um, I'll sell your son. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take that away from you. How are you feeling though? You feeling okay about the, like, how does it change? How does it change the barometric pressure in your house for your son not to be there? I mean, I, I'm not sure how, different it will be during the routine you know because like in the school year routine especially since he was doing after school sports for like 99 percent of his high school career it was like you'd see him in the morning make breakfast right then he'd be off to school and then you wouldn't see him again until like dinner time and then he would eat dinner with us right and then he'd go into his room to do homework and then he would go to sleep because you know you got to wake up and do it all over again and so four yeah. years of that feels very kind of like you know, everyone doing their things. Like I said, he's not the type of kid we had to be on top of to be like, what what classes are you in? What homework do you have? Do you have anything to do soon? We didn't have to do any of that with him, right? So he, you know, th- our interactions were not, we didn't, you know, it was just basically like socializing stuff of like, you know, here's your breakfast, whatever. He wasn't big about talking about his day. Maybe we'd ask him about uh, how a meat went or whatever, but, you know, it's not, 
it's not as if we were having just hours and hours of downtime hanging out together, right? Right. Um, right. Even like even TV shows, we used to watch TV shows together, but like as the kids get older, their tastes diverge from their parents and they want to watch their TV shows or they want to talk with their friends in their free time or in my son's case, want to play video games with his friends in his free time instead of playing video games with his dad, right? And that happens. Like that happens with teenagers. They don't want to spend all their time with you. So I feel like him going off hmm. on his own. He's been, he didn't even, you didn't realize how much he's been preparing you for it. Yeah. I mean, we did uh, hook back up now that he doesn't have school or anything during the summer and played some games or whatever, but he, he, pretty quickly found a new game to play with his friends instead of playing with his dad. But we played a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, he's like, I, as I far as like be, your, your daughter's role and like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's when you, she's, she's eyeing his bedroom. Right. So that, that is absolutely going on. I wondered, I was thinking about Andy and uh toy story. I was wondering. Yeah. I mean, she, that is a thing that happens, right? Cause he is, he was the first kid. He has the biggest bedroom. Um, and also, uh, I'm not going to say he's neater than she is because his room was a disaster. We, uh, that was one of the summer projects was like uh, the like 10 year cleanse of his room. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, uh, I'm not sure when the last time his room was actually thoroughly cleaned was, but it may have been 10 years ago. Uh, like yeah. periodically we I would... had, I had to get something out of my kid's room today and I was, I was at uh, once terrified and kind of excited about all the the layers it's like it's fun to see your kid as represented as layers but boy we're, t- we're ready for a 10-year clean because yeah, like because we had done the thing occasionally we'd be like look you have too much junk in your room get everything off the floor so we can vacuum the rug but even then like there were certain areas that were just super disgusting then at a certain point he just had so much stuff on the floor of his room his his sort of like filing system for his uh high school for the, all four years of high school was it was just a pile in the middle of his room where he threw school books right and it just slowly shifted and grew over time and so we mm-hmm. couldn't even vacuum the floor anymore. And forget <laughs> about his forget about his shelves, the, like the dust accumulation on his shelves. Then he, he would get grossed out. He'd be at his desk, like, you know, playing <laughs> playing video games or like playing, uh, doing something on his computer or whatever. And at his feet would be like actual dust bunnies, like the size of small dogs, That some of which were my dog's hair, some of which was just dust. And he would get grossed out by them. And he'd vacuum just the, the, the dust bunnies that were more than six inches high, let's say. And then he'd just go back to his life. So this summer, I'm like, look, we're finally going to get rid of the it's high like school we used books. used to say at McDonald's, when, when they send us out to the lobby, guys, you lobby, you got to go out and clean the lobby. And the, the phrase I learned then, and I still think about to this day, just get the big stuff. Yeah. Now, that, I mean, he didn't even get the big stuff during the during high school, right? And so then I said, okay, now, now we're going to go through this. So we sat down with him, like, you don't have anything today. I don't have anything today. We're just going to go through everything on your floor and say, keep or not keep. And it was basically all his notebooks from high school, like loose papers. And, you know, there was some keeps. There was like, oh, here's some artwork that you did. And he's like, I want to keep those notebooks. I might need them for if I take a course similar to that in college because I took really good notes or whatever. But mostly we threw it out. And so we cleared everything off his floor. And then we said, okay, the next job is, you know, we're going to do a preliminary vacuum of the floor. So everything is off the floor and we're going to vacuum. This is not the final vacuum. This is the preliminary vacuum because we're just going to make more messes. And then we addressed areas. We still have to go through right, this. It, like, would be like, it would be like when a hippie goes in the military before they can give him the high and tight, they have to get all the, all the big yeah, the stuff preliminary out. Haircut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, preliminary exactly. haircut. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this was like, okay, now we've done a preliminary vacuum and I made him do some of the vacuuming. Another skill he doesn't have is how do you vacuum? So I tried to teach him that. Um, oh God. And then it's like, now like, pick an area because has, he has like shelves and he has his dresser and a lot of these things he has like Legos, like completed Lego things on them. Some of the ones that he made, some of them are kits, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is my kit that I bought for myself, but I put it in his room. It's a big X-Wing. Oh, it's wow. Right, right on top of his dresser dust was all over these so I, I had done some research ahead of time about how to clean dust off lego um and uh the answer apparently is makeup brushes <laughs> believe oh not. because they're like little horse hairs they're very fine they yeah because you got the little studs like you can't get in mm-hmm. there without That's you true. know yeah and so and you can also use and, and like a little miniature vacuum like a car detailing vacuum like a vacuum with an attachment that gets very small and has a very tiny brush on it right to get Aww. in the crevices of car dashboards yeah um, so those two things. And so we sat there and cleaned a bunch of Lego and then we took everything off of, of like the area that we were doing and then wiped it down, you know, cleaned it with like, you know, surface cleaner and water and everything, and then just move on to the next area and do the next thing. And it was just, just hours and hours of taking small makeup brushes to, uh, to Lego structures. We're not oh done. We're still going through the stuff. And then when he actually leaves the house, then we're going to do the real clean, which is like mm-hmm. move the bed, right? <laughs> Get everything out from underneath, like just cause it's really gross in there. But um, uh, while we're doing this, my daughter's eyeing it. Not that she thinks she's going to move into that room because I think she likes her room. She's decorated her room. She yeah. wants to use that room for storage. Think of like, <laughs> so, okay. Think of how much stuff we could store. She's got a very tiny closet and she has, 
not a lot of stuff, but most of it exists on her floor. Uh, and she's like, boy, if I could take all this stuff out of here and put it someplace else. And, and obviously that wouldn't solve her problem. It would just, you know, it's just like getting a bigger house. You'll just fill it with junk, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what she's doing. So there is some like eyeing the uh, the things that uh, the big brother used to have as uh, expanding your territory. I'm like, you know, he's coming back. Like you can't take, you can't move his bed. Like we're not going to get rid of his furniture. Like he's still going to live there or come back. Anyway. Like so. expunge him. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Although there is a desk in there that maybe she could use that desk for homework. She has a desk, but her desk is filled with her junk. So now imagine if there was a clean desk you could do homework at. We'll see how it goes. The book is by William Zinzer, and it's called On Writing Well. I know that book, yeah. Well, it'll be a lot of adjusting. Yeah, I I'm, I'm really have no idea what it's going to be like because it's the first, first kid leaving, and I'm not quite sure. Um I mean, the one thing I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit is uh, being able to concentrate on one kid. Not that it's like, oh, two kids, you have to split your attention. Oh, but sure. No, no. I, I, I think I see why you're reluctant to say that. And I also see exactly how that would be valuable because she's not going to be around that long. Believe me, I'm very aware of that. Yeah. And, and it, is, it is clarifying because we did have one kid for some time. And it's, it's a lot easier when you outnumber them. And if you have just the one kid, uh, especially if you have two cars like we do, dealing with logistics becomes way easier, right? If you have mm. two adults, two cars, and two kids, logistics gets a lot harder because usually it's like, you know, one parent is more available than the other to the ferry kids, but now you got two kids you need to ferry and they go need to go to two different places that are in opposite directions. And, you know, it's very rare that both parents and both cars are available to simultaneously ferry both kids in opposite directions. Whereas if you just have the one kid, chances are there's going to be one parent and one car that are available to take that one kid wherever they need to go. And the mm-hmm. other parent can like, you know, while you're coming back from taking that kid to someplace distant, the other parent is at home, like getting dinner ready or whatever. So you don't end up in a situation where you all come back to the house and it's 8 p.m. and no one's made dinner because you've been ferrying kids around. Right. So. Right. And and just dealing with like, you know, not again, not that we had to be on my son about what's going on in high school or whatever, but just worrying about like the calendars and everything like we have in our family calendar. We have both kids events. Right. I imagine all the events that have to do with my son are just going to be like Alex home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, Alex home for winter break and no longer like all the different things that have to do with Alex, like when his track mm. meets are. And, that makes my uterus know. hurt, John, thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we'll see. That's, that's one of the thing, one of the obvious things that I'm kind of looking forward to is the kind of simplification of our life. But it could be that we end up a remote, uh, giving a remote aid to my son in terms of you know, all, <laughs> all the things that we've been doing, you know, cause I've been helping him navigate Ex- the existential screen sharing. <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, how do I do this? Uh, you know, how do I do that? Am I assign- I mean, we can still, they, the thing with Workday is they allow you to like assign your parents as like sub accounts. So basically, so your parents can pay your tuition because otherwise the tuition bill would come to him in Workday. But they're yeah. like, you know, hey, if you're, if you're, if you want your parents to pay your tuition, you can make them a sub account and then they can log in and see the humongous bill and then they can pay it. And of course, that's what we're doing. Um, so we will have some ability to like see what courses he signed up for and his grades or whatever. So it, it's all we can do to not be like, you know, you know, this date is coming up when you have to do this thing by how is this going or whatever. But again, we didn't we weren't really on him about that in high school. It's just that in college, there's no one looking out for you. Like there was nothing he could do in high school that would make it. Oh, you accidentally didn't sign up for any courses. Like if that happened, his guidance counselor would be on him and you know make it happen. Whereas colleges feel like, well, if you don't sign up for any courses, guess what? You're not taking any courses next year. Speaking of simple, this is from the chapter, uh, chapter two, Simplicity from On Writing Well. I'm going to skip around. Clutter is the disease of American writing. <laughs> I am the cure. Um, We are a society strangling in unnecessary words, circular constructions, pompous frills, and meaningless jargon. Jumping down. Um, Where's the one about the pilot? The airline pilot who announces that he is presently anticipating experiencing considerable precipitation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wouldn't think of saying it may rain. The sentence is too simple. There must be something wrong with it. But the secret of good writing is to strip every sentence to its cleanest components Every word that serves no function, every long word that could be a short word, every adverb that carries the same meaning that's already in the verb, every passive construction that leaves the reader unsure of who is doing what. And, and listen, number one, like I'm not saying I pull this off all the time, especially in online writing, where I, like, I have a style or a voice that is more gentle and padded. But man, as with Strunk and White, Imagine somebody having seven weeks of learning what this guy is saying. I mean, how do you not end up better? Yeah, I'm not sure about this full justification, though. I can't turn it off. I tried. It's Kindle. 
I tried to I tried to get it off uh, Usenet, but uh, it was a, a malware script. <laughs> you mean it, it's a, a script that people use in shopping centers where they're anchor stores? Malware. There you go. Like the guy from the Beatles. Like Mal, Mal means bad. Mall. Malware is the software used in a shopping mall. I watched a, um, watched a Hulu documentary about, uh, this is how what got me into some murder stuff and watching some Jeffrey Epstein today. I uh, watched a Hulu, uh, not very good documentary on uh, uh, Les Wexner. Mm. <laughs> More news and Les Nessman. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was thinking a lot about malls. You know, he started the limited. That was him. No, you always say malware. Why wouldn't I say malware? That's what the word is. No, it's malware. No, it's not. Pasta. Taco. What are you, English? 